You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on Thanksgiving Day. This might be your Friday show if you've got busy plans on Thanksgiving. Hopefully you do. And if you've got nothing going on on Black Friday, a great way to listen to this. This is one of the busier like people in cars days of the year, so it's a great way to listen to the podcast if you are listening on Friday. But we had to do an instant reaction podcast to the game, the Anthony Davis return game. The Lakers ended up winning 114-110 in what was a bit of a heartbreaking one, really. There's like almost no other way to say that here. Um, And we're doing the live show. So this is going to be a little bit different than how we normally do an episode of Locked On Pelicans. A little bit more informal, probably a little bit less polished. Yeah, I do one or two takes on occasion, two takes. Um, if I really screw something up, we're not going to get that here since we're just kind of rolling with the audio. We'll probably go for 15 minutes or so, just kind of whatever we feel is going to be right. I don't know when the break's going to come in. We do want to play some ads in the show potentially. So if you're listening to this, not live, they will be in there somewhere. They may be a little bit abrupt. Bear with it though. We'll come back and talk about everything you want to know about this. Got a couple of people in the chat asking some questions, talking about the game. Uh, So thank you guys for joining along. We can do more of these too. They're really easy to set up. My internet's holding steady right now, despite some issues. Uh, So we can do these. And I know people kind of want to just talk about the team and being able to be interactive with you guys is a lot of fun. So to the people in the chat, I've got the list here. I can still see everything. Was a disappointing loss. Did you guys feel kind of good, though, about how this Pelicans team played? And when you look at it, and it's a 114-110 loss for the Pelicans, a game where they did have a big of a lead as 16 points before the Lakers furiously stormed back in the fourth quarter, winning that frame 35-21. to Overall, they played pretty good. I know we don't want to have moral victories in a 6-12 and season, but overall, they played pretty good. I can't be that upset. This Lakers team is significantly better than the Pelicans. This Lakers team, by the way, now goes to 16-2 and on the year, the best record in the NBA. You have LeBron dialed in more so than we've seen him in a really long time. Anthony Davis, in what didn't feel like an impactful performance in this one, drops 41 points, which by the way, kind of sums up how we've always kind of felt. Not always, but he had games where he would fill up the stat sheet and wouldn't feel like he helped win the game for the Pelicans. So this was an interesting one. We've got a lot to dissect maybe about the fourth quarter and how the game was ultimately lost. Rather than the Lakers winning it, did the Pelicans lose this one? And is this one on Gentry and the coaching? And I think there's a a really good way to say that, yeah, maybe it is. So by the numbers of the game, for those who didn't watch or maybe just got caught up in the emotions of everything, 
Pelicans lose 114-110 for the Pelicans. Drew Holiday got off to a very hot start. He finished with 29 points on the night, 12 assists, 6 rebounds, but 7 turnovers, including a really costly one late in the game. Driving for a dunk gets stripped by Alex Caruso, who then immediately turns it around for 2 points on the other end in what swung the game for the Lakers and ultimately gave them the lead for good. He had a pretty good shooting night, 12-23 from the field, 4 of 6 from deep but just one of one from the line. He was explosive in the first half. He put up, what, 25 points um, in the first half, something like that, close to it. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but finished with just 29. As good of a game as he had, you would have really liked to have seen more from him in the second half, in you know, the third quarter or in the fourth quarter when they needed someone to take over. He tried, ultimately turned the ball over and just wasn't able to get it done. The ending's disappointing for him, but he was locked in on that fir- in the first half of the game and played exceptionally well and came ready for this one. Emotions were high. It's easy to kind of get out of your own rhythm, but he legitimately came to play in this one. The other guy we're going to talk about, of course, when it comes to the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram on the night. He had a rough go is probably the best way to put it. His box score looks good. 23 points, 10 rebounds on the night. But he was just 4, 4 of 21, 21 from the field overall, 2 of 11 from the three-point line, three turnovers, two blocks. He did make up for it, though, by getting to the foul line a bunch, making his free throws, and it was just, yeah, he was out of sorts. He kind of faded away in the second half, missing shots, trying to take things or forcing things a little bit too much, just ultimately kind of didn't rise to the occasion that you really would have hoped from him and again he had a pretty good night but four of 21 is horribly inefficient this lakers team can get out and run you guys you can see it the pelicans limited some of the fast break points that they could have had at times and the lakers offense was completely out of sorts for the first half for the first quarter in particular but they had 18 in the fast break when you go 4-21, they're turning a lot of those points or a lot of those misses into easy points. And it allowed the Lakers to get 62 points in the paint because down low they were unstoppable. And we knew that was going to be an issue. The, late, uh, the, the Pelicans don't really have anyone who could handle a guy like JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard off the bench. And they were a bit tough. Same thing for LeBron, again, who put up, uh, sorry, Anthony Davis, who put up 41. And LeBron, who also put up 29 in this one. They were good, and they did most of their damage down low. The Pelicans, on the other hand, were trying to outshoot this team. The Pelicans put up just 26 points in the paint. They were 17 of 40 from three-point range, 42.5%. Those numbers are good. And um, they figured you were going to have to beat this team by outshooting them. And I said it on the preview episode that that's probably how you have to kind of go about this. By the way... Uh, J-I-M-N-M, I see the AD burning video. Were you the one that, who did the fake out? Because I think we've met in person. Um, as I as I check the chat here, as I kind of just quickly recap through the game. So, you, you know the good performances. LeBron was good. AD was good. The Pelicans struggled. Though Jackson Hayes in this one, by the way, getting the start with Derek Favors being out, not with an injury, but with personal reasons. His mother passed away. The Pelicans had a nice moment of silence for her to start the game. Um, had some good minutes out there, just seven points on the night for him, four rebounds, two of four. He had a nice block on Anthony Davis from behind. Or no, that was Ingram. Uh, but he played solid defense. He is almost 
growing before our eyes. I see you. Cool. That was a good fake out. I like those videos. Um, there's no need to burn Anthony Davis jerseys. Like I think, as I said on the show yesterday, talking about the Ramona Shelburne thing, and we'll touch on that briefly in a minute, you know, the Eminem. Okay, there we go. Got it. Um, so I think the stuff with Anthony Davis, everyone understood why he wanted out right away. Everybody did. It was all the stuff after the fact that got people really upset. The, I've been calling them antics, but the strong armine, the leaks, the list, but no list, the fucking t-shirt, all of that stuff. Everyone hated. If he had just said, I want to be traded, even with the year and a half left on his contract, people would have understood. He didn't need to have this type of reaction, these type of boos, but unfortunately, with the way the course of action he he used, which by the way is brutally effective and it works, uh, yeah, he was kind of going to get booed and it was rough. So going back to the start of the game, even before the game started, when he came out for the layup line, I was down there on the court sitting baseline where the Lakers were shooting on. It was loud in there and they were booing him and they booed him the entirety of of the game. Uh, speaking of Ramona, biggest loss, the game or the city and organization's reputation? Uh, you're talking about the Lakers' reputation or the um, city of Los Angeles? But anyway, so he got booed heavily, booed on tip-off, booed whenever he got the ball, and that continued until late in the fourth quarter. And you could hear it if you were out in the concourse, not even in the bowl, l- watching the game. If you were getting a beer, you could hear them booing him whenever he touched the ball. He was in line with my girlfriend, to get the ball and, or to, sorry, to get a beer. And at one point I go, you're going to know when Anthony Davis touches the ball. And all of a sudden, 30 seconds later, booze come through. And it was, yep, he's got the ball right now. Uh, and you could tell when he missed when there were cheers. There were also a lot of cheers for Anthony Davis in this game too. You get a lot of Lakers people showing up. There was a lot of purple and gold. There was this awful dude in front of me who was not sitting in the right seats. And I've got a funny story about that, which we're going to do a reset here in a second. And then I'll tell that story, but would get up and flex his biceps and kiss them at one point as if he was LeBron who had made the three that he was celebrating. The whole thing was just a little weird. So we're going to do a reset so we can throw some ads in here. I don't like saying these kind of things, but they may or may not run anyway. Um, just so we can do this again, we're kind of going off the cuff a little bit more informal on today's podcast since we're also simulcasting it live on Twitch. And while we'll touch on the, the seat story, which I found kind of funny, and these dudes were heroes who were sitting in front of me over in section 309. Before we get to that, though, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Helps keep this free in five days a week for you all. You want to support the show. You love the show. Hopefully you do. Um, and you're not just hate listening. But subscribing, hitting that button And then leaving a five-star review really does more than you know and helps keep this free in five days a week for you all and is a big support for the show. So wherever you get your podcast from, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. Okay, so I have to also write something down. The, The stuff I was talking about when it came to the Laker fans in the arena. So I have season tickets in 309. What I usually do is go do the media stuff beforehand, run around, talk to people, interview players, interview coaches, talk to whoever I can, listen to stuff. And then I move up to my season seats over there in 309. And in front of me were four, three Lakers guys over a course of four seats, literally the row in front of me. And they were obnoxious. One guy 
got up and again did the the kissing of his biceps thing when Anthony Davis hit a three. But then two late uh, two Pelicans fans come in, and these are their seats. These three Lakers fans in these four seats are like, no, you know, oh, okay. Well, there's two seats in front of us. Why don't you guys sit there in the row in front of us? So two rows in front of me and, you know, we'll sit where we are. And these two guys go, no, these are our seats. And what they do over these four seats, which again, there's three Lakers fans in. So there's a gap, between, there's two of them together, a gap, and then one more. They decide to sit right in the middle of the four seats. It's on an aisle. So there's a aisle seat that's empty, them two in the middle, and then another seat that's empty. And they force these Laker fans who are like trying to, oh, we have the wrong seats, really? I misread the ticket and all, you know, they're faking it. These guys sit right in between them. One of the friends, the Lakers fans, has to sit in the row in front of this one. And then the people on the left and right who are Laker fans and friends in there together had to sit on the outside of these four seats while the two Pelicans fans sat in the middle. So these two Pels fans come in, realize these Laker fans are in their seats and decide to split them all up and they are heroes for doing that. It was pretty funny and I've been laughing about it that they just kind of made them sit on the outside of them and like trying to talk to each other over the two seats. It wasn't really looking, uh, working. So I've heard this and you guys are talking about it here in the Twitch chat that the broadcast wasn't particularly good. You know, given that, and I don't like to rail on media and I don't really get involved in all of this, to be honest. I took a stance against Ramona Shelburne because that stuff was just straight up bad once you finally listened to it and got some more context on everything. Um, and I didn't want to do that until I heard more of it. But it was, I've heard the broadcast on ESPN for this game was pretty rough, that they were talking about things that had nothing to do with the actual game. I don't know why load management was a topic of discussion in what's a pretty heated matchup. It also seems like they were just kind of echoing some of what's been said on ESPN, whether it is Ramona Shelburne, who by the way, did send in an apology to the advocate, though it was more of an official statement from ESPN. As far as I'm aware, she hasn't tweeted anything out or done anything that maybe is a little bit more personal. But I've heard the broadcast wasn't that good. This was more fun to be there in person with everyone booing Anthony Davis. So the end of the game, I think, is a big story and something we've got to talk about here because that final play with the Pelicans down two, you had a chance to either get the win or get the tie. And there were about five seconds left. You had one timeout, which you took to advance the ball. Then you had a second timeout that you could use in case of an emergency. The Pelicans did not break that glass in case of an emergency for the timeout. They just decided to run a play, ended up with Anthony Davis stealing the ball, which honestly is some sort of poetic ending to someone somewhere. And then it ended the game when he made the two free throws on the other end after hitting both of his foul shots. You have a second timeout. If you thought that pass wasn't going to go in or if it wasn't developing like you wanted to, use it. This is a coaching mistake, and I haven't been that impressed with the coaching all year long, particularly from Gentry. I'm not going to go out and say he should be fired necessarily, but coaching has been an issue this year. When you watch this team on defense, and they were more locked in than we've seen them in a while um, in this game, they've been undisciplined all year long. It's been rough, and the fact that he didn't realize, hey, I have another timeout, I should take it, this isn't working is bad. And I don't know if it would have won the game or not. 
you know, the Pelicans really had lost momentum in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis was stepping up. LeBron was stepping up. And they were closing this game out, which they should. They're a significantly better team. They should have won by 20 points in this one, to be honest. But that's a mistake coaching-wise. There's, there's like, no other way to put it. And it's just kind of one of those things. The Pelicans could have won this game. They had chances, multiple chances to win this one. And then coaching at the end doomed him. It wasn't necessary. You know, part of it's also too on Drew Holiday not being aggressive enough. Brandon Ingram taking and settling for bad shots, allowing the the Lakers to get down low and score inside at will. But when you come down to it, at the end of the game, the Pelicans had a chance to win. Take the timeout and draw up another play because that one did not develop. And it was a bit disappointing to see that and how we ended up in that situation. So we're going to put in another quick break here because that's the end of the game. Uh, And then I'll talk to you guys. Let's take your questions and talk about some of this here on the show for the next couple minutes or so. Again, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all. No one else is doing something like this. Maybe a little bit more coming soon to keep an eye on that over the next couple of days. They're not Locked on Pelicans related. All right, so going to wrap up the show here, live podcast that we're doing, talked about the game, the disappointing ending, what we saw, though the defense was locked in, I was happy about that. So I want to hear your guys' take on the game, what you're feeling, and I'm looking at the comments now, there's a lot of hate for Jeff Van Gundy in here. Um, JJ Redick did have that shot to the three-pointer to take the lead at the end of the game before the final possession, just missed it. It's a good play, by the way. He's open. You want him taking that shot. You can see he was very frustrated by that. Dark Hornet says that as well. Yeah, JJ was very frustrated by the miss. Um, absolutely. He's he's a professional. He's upset about something like that. Disappointing to see uh, that he missed it, but it was overall very good. Um, do you think the emotions affected Brandon Ingram's shot? I think he just had an off night. I think he was trying to force it a little bit too much. The Lakers are the best defense in the league. Frank Vogel is a very good defensive coach. He can draw up very good defensive schemes. We've seen that his whole career. He had the Indiana Pacers teams competing with LeBron James in Miami and taking them pretty deep into the playoffs and into an intense series where maybe Indiana was going to win. He ends up being a pretty good defensive coach, and he's got a lot of players who are locked in defensively right now. LeBron looks good. Anthony Davis looks good defensively. Anthony Davis is probably the front runner for defensive player of the year right now. So when he's able to be have two guys like that, the defense is going to be good. I think that's more what bothered Brandon Ingram. He just didn't have the ability to drive and get into the paint. So he had to settle for a lot of bad jumpers. And that's why he ended up going four for 21. So that definitely is a big of a problem. Uh, Paul Schrader says, why didn't we see Nikhil Alexander-Walker? You know, I think part of it is they just don't trust him enough in this uh, right now. I think they trust Jackson Hayes, who also only got those minutes due to injuries and other things and shouldn't be playing this many minutes right now. Remember, the plan was to um, have him redshirt this year, basically, and play in the G League. But because of injuries, he's out there right now. So he's getting forced in there, but I don't think they want to play the rookies. I think you feel more comfortable with a guy like Josh Hart, with Frank Jackson over them, and Etwan Moore, who, by the way, as much as we'd like to trade Etwan Moore, he's been good this year. I almost want to whisper that, but Etwan 
is playing above average right now. He looks good. He's been consistent for the team. You're seeing him be more aggressive than he's ever been. I, I don't mind each one more getting minutes over Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It's not the development you'd like, but it might translate to winning basketball a little bit more right now. Sorry, as I take a sip of water there. Um, so, Dark Hart, you might cringe whenever you see Morgo in there. And at times they ran the offense through him, which is not what you want to do. But overall, he, he's looked good, and I'm, I, I don't really have much to complain about each one more. As much as I'd like to, I'd love to find a good reason to move him out of here and give those minutes to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But if you're trying to win games, I don't think that's the way to go. So we, we talked about Ramona Shelburne, and you guys have mentioned a couple of things here. I don't think the Pelicans' reputation or the city's reputation took a hit on this. She had to come out, even if it's in a canned statement, and apologize. Her reputation took a hit, if anything else. Uh, and overall, I'm glad to see that she came out and said something. Would have liked something a little bit more personal, that, you know, maybe from her Twitter account rather than a canned statement like that. But overall, it's not bad so apparently, according to Humbug504, ESPN spent a lot of the time, a lot of time talking about booing fans equal bad. It's just a silly narrative that they're pushing, and narratives tend to favor the big markets. And again, I don't like to go in on this stuff, and I don't believe a lot of like anti-small um, market bias and stuff like that. For the most part, these are the stories people want. This one was different. This one was very, very different and kind of surprising did not like to kind of see this stuff. And as I said on yesterday's show, the stuff that she was saying is actively harmful. It's not just like an innocent statement that you go, oh, no big deal, whatever. When you're talking about racism and almost blowing a dog whistle about that sort of thing, it's actively harmful for people who do experience that. And I was really, really not happy about that. And there's a reason she got raked over the coals with all of this stuff. Um, so it was really nice to see that she came out and said something, but overall, oh, she was, she was just wrong after that. Like th there's nothing else to really say. Um, so again, let me know what you guys want to hear about here and everything. Uh, Boston's treatment of Kyrie was worse than what I saw from Pels fans tonight. So he didn't play in the game tonight. Was he there? Were they booing him? What did they do that was worse to Kyrie than what happened to AD, everything with AD here? I thought everything was fine. You guys, you know, Pelicans fans should boo Anthony Davis if you want to. It's up to you. When Butler of Arcade Fire was down there, he had a sign, with, I, I'm assuming his son, that was like, we still love you, AD. And you know what? If you want to cheer Anthony Davis and you're a Pelicans fan, that's fine too as well. You guys are humans. You have free will. You can make your own choice. There's nothing wrong with either of those responses to everything. Um, Dark Hornet says, Gentry hasn't looked good, but I won't judge his performance until the season is over. Very much a work in progress. Yeah, you know... I still think when you see the lack of discipline on this team, you can say it's players and the players need to go out and execute and be better. And they do, but also, you know, the coach is getting paid to get results from these guys, to get them to be more disciplined. And they're not doing that. Okay. So JM and M says Kyrie didn't even play, but they chanted Kyrie sucks. I mean, that's not bad. Like ultimately, like again, you know, as Paul says here, no batteries got thrown. It, it could have been a lot worse. Oh, you know, if you're just booing, it's fine. That is totally, totally okay. I don't see a thing 
uh, any sort of issue with that. So if ESPN wants to clutch their pearls and go think of the children because you're booing Anthony Davis, fuck that. I don't care. It doesn't change anything. It's annoying that New Orleans does kind of get constantly shit on, and I don't mean to swear too much here. Um, it's just, it's annoying, but ultimately it doesn't change much about the city, and I don't think it really has that big of an overall impact on anything. So the racism one maybe does, but overall, no. Um, something to mention about Gentry since we were talking about that too. There was, I'm doing this in the moment and trying to remember it, a play he should have reviewed to see who the ball went out on, and he decided not to. And I think that also kind of swung the game, too. The Lakers got two points off the inbound and then immediately stole the inbound pass and got another two points from Anthony Davis. And it's, you know, a little bit frustrating that they kind of almost lost their composure, that Gentry in the moment didn't make the right decision to challenge a call when you do get one. And he ended up with a spare timeout after, you know, late in the game, which he, sh he didn't even use. So having it didn't really matter. Probably would have been a good challenge. That was sometime in the second half. My, my recollection's a little bit hazy here on everything. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. It's the fans' jobs to get in your opponent's heads, maybe. I don't know. But if booing's the worst thing you do, that's not a big deal whatsoever. Um, I saw that. I was When they said during halftime, or I heard about it, that... Um, you know, I was so pissed. Paul says this when they, Paul, is it Schrader? Yeah. I was so pissed. They said we should boo management instead of AD. We fired management. Why boo Griff? There's no reason to boo Griff. Don't boo Griff, uh, whatsoever. And I, that just, I don't know. It's weird. A, unless you're trying to say boo the owner and using them, uh, it's just, it, you can see it. They were not well prepared for this game as they really could have been. Cupcake714 said, as a media professional, what's the blowback from the public retraction of ra of the racist comment that was put out? I, I mean, I, ultimately, I don't think much is going to happen to Ramona Shelburne here. Maybe something, you know, some mandate comes down internally from ESPN in terms of like, I don't know, they punish her or something like that, or she gets like a write-up. I don't know. That's never going to get public. This is just going to go away and it's going to be that. She kind of put out that retraction in a very professional manner, not necessarily personal manner. Um, and it was, like I said, we don't need to dwell on this too long. She retracted it. That's good. She shouldn't have said it in the first place. Again, that was almost, irres it, it's not even almost, it was irresponsible what she did being a mouthpiece for others because she didn't get that information. I talked to some people with the Pels who said this. And I didn't even think about this when I spoke about it on yesterday's show. She's based out of LA. The Pelicans played the Clippers on Sunday in LA. She was there at that game. She didn't talk to anyone from the team. She didn't do any research on this. There's no reason for her to have said what she did. There's no sourcing on this. There's no discussion about this. And frankly, if this was a thing, it would have come out at the trade deadline last year. And this is why I don't think that Rich Paul did it. In fact, I'm pretty certain Rich Paul didn't do this and leak this because if he had leaked at the trade deadline that Gail Benson won't trade Anthony Davis because she's racist and doesn't want to give in to Rich Paul, then that might maybe get something done. That's a hell of an accusation to make and actually pretty good leverage. Shitty thing to do, but good leverage. Um, and so that would have come out. It didn't. This is not 
a thing. Yeah, she called it an over, oversimplification. It's not an apology. It's not, there should have been no reducing it anyway. Are there racist fans in the Smoothie King Center? Were there tonight? Probably. It's 2019. We know racism is alive and well and publicly out there. So I don't normally want to dismiss this kind of thing. It's as someone who I think is pretty in touch with the fan base. This was not my read on it whatsoever. So let's move on from this. What, uh, well, let's we'll do a few more minutes here. We're almost up to 30 minutes on the show. What are the questions you all have about tonight's game? What's your opinion or your take on tonight's game? Um, before we wrap everything up and let people get to their, it's now Thanksgiving day. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody too, by the way. Um, but it was, yeah, the stuff with Ramona Shelburne's bad. We all know it's bad. She's kind of admitted it's bad, even though it's kind of a crappy admission and not that good of one. So it was annoying. Yeah. And AD also said like, no, this isn't a thing, which tells you all you really need to know about this. Um, Dark Hornet wanted Jackson Hayes to finish that dunk on AD. Everyone wanted that dunk over AD or any sort of play to embarrass AD. He also did leave the game and at one point was questionable to return, which definitely means, and I don't want to make light of things. I don't like injuries. We don't root for injuries, but that's certainly going to be a whole big thing of, yep, it's definitely Anthony Davis in the Smoothie King Center. Humbug504 asked, do the Lakers come back? I believe they do come back. I don't have the schedule in front of me. Um, there is always next year and we have the Lakers picks for years, every other year, not this year. So let them be good. Those picks get important when LeBron potentially is out of contract with the team and having a pick or two after he's maybe gone from the Lakers, maybe retired, who, who knows, um, is when those become valuable. They're not valuable right now. They're not going to be valuable next year when they have that. This team's going to be very good. That good defensively, they're going to be a menace. I don't think they beat the Clippers in a seven-game series, but they're very, very good. They can do a lot offensively, a lot defensively, and it's a lot of role players who kind of overplaying how good they are right now. So I don't think you're going to see this Lakers team be this good in three or four years, but right now they're definitely good. It makes those picks uh, go down in value a little bit. Talking a lot, got to take a sip here. Um, but it was a fun atmosphere in the Smoothie King Center. Also worth mentioning that the atmosphere in terms of in arena experience is awesome. This team has done a very good job of revamping the music when you're there, revamping the experience without doing wholesale changes and completely like renovating things top to bottom. It's pretty great and it's a lot of fun. And this was a really fun game to be at. Disappointing end. But I don't think we were expecting the Pelicans to be in this one to the degree that they were. They were up by 16 at one point, had a double-digit lead at half. The Lakers are a better team. They came back as they should come back in this sort of thing. You have LeBron. You have Anthony Davis. They're better. And it's okay. And it was, yeah, everyone agrees here that the in-arena experience is pretty good. And this team's improving. They can score with anyone. We've seen that. Defensively, lack of discipline, really need to make some changes there. But if they can get that, and if they can get to, say, 15th in the league by the end of the year, they're going to be scary good going forward in years future. So the future is bright. So again, there you go. Future is so bright. It is very exciting, JM&M. Disappointing loss. I think everyone really would have liked the win over Anthony Davis. Emotions were high. And... 
it is what it is. The better team won. There's nothing wrong with that. It was really nice to see the Pelicans battle. Moral victories are one thing. They're a bit disappointing. This is one. And you can be happy with that or you cannot. Neither way is going to be okay. Uh, but there's more games coming up. So I think, you know, if you can push the Lakers without Zion and Favors, as Dark Hornet says here, it's very promising for the future. Favors is in there. You, I look. I'm just gonna keep saying your name how I want to say it at this point. Is it Jim Eminem? Is that how you want it? Okay. Um, and so, if you have Derek Favors in there, I think you can potentially win this game. Just someone to patrol the paint. I thought that Jackson Hayes played pretty good defense in this. That doesn't show up in the box score. And playing defense against these guys is tough. And, and Kenrich Williams did a good job against uh, LeBron James too. He was guarding a top two player of all time in the NBA, LeBron's going to score on him. LeBron's going to get down low and he's going to do his thing. He's going to make threes. Get Holding him to 29, probably good, all things considered. Ken, Kendrick Williams made a couple key plays and uh, other things as well. So it was overall a very good performance from him. And I'm pretty happy from him. And this team improved and they battled. And I think that's a big thing. Again, you might not like a moral victory, but this is one. And if you're happy with that, great. If you're not, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but it was one. Josh Hart also had great effort tonight there too. Um, as Dark Hornet says, yeah, Ken Rich Williams was good in this one. Kenny Hustle, he just does hustle plays. You know, like he just makes basketball plays that help you win games and none of them are flashy. And you need a dude like that. You probably need multiple guys like that. He was there tonight. So overall, pretty good performance. Melly had a bad performance. That's someone we can kind of single out. Got to shoot the ball when you get it when you're wide that, that wide open. The minutes down low at center were really, really rough too. Okafor was a wreck defensively. Couldn't give you enough on offense to overcome the bad defense that he had. Those were the two guys that probably had the worst performances of the night. Um, and again, if you have Derek Favors, you probably don't need to give that many minutes you don't need nine minutes for Nicolo Melli. You don't need 15 minutes. It comes to 24 minutes total to Jaleel Okafor. And you can give those minutes to a guy like Derek Favors. Unfortunately, his mom passed away, and it's really sad. But Melli has no confidence right now. He's scared to shoot. You've got to get more out of him. And basically, your 24 minutes, they gave you a big fed zero. Yeah, you're going to lose a game if you're playing that many minutes and giving those minutes to guys, and they can't do anything. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans, the live edition. Oh, I'll answer the question here. Cupcake714 goes, who is your favorite effort out of Jackson, Kenny, and Hart? Uh, any standout clip? I, I got to rewatch the game, which I will at some point, so I don't have a standout clip right now. Uh, but it's Kenrich Williams. Probably, uh, no, let's go Josh Hart. He hit a couple of big threes early on. He was two for two, then took a third, missed that. And had a couple of rebounds, including one over LeBron James. Uh, by the Pelicans bench where he just went and got it. He also gave you an offensive rebound late in the game uh, that I think could have kept the game alive. Thank you, Josh Hart. He's an awesome dude. He's just a kind of fun guy to have on the team too. Big into video games. Big into Twitch here too, which is kind of cool. Uh, and we will do this again. This is kind of fun. Figured we'd, we'd have a lot to talk about after the Pelicans game. So thank you all for listening. I've got to go to sleep. I've got a six-hour drive tomorrow today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, so thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Monday and have a happy Thanksgiving.